Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or Walmart.com. In this episode of the podcast, you're going to learn some great information about breastfeeding from Kelly Kendall, the founder of The Balanced Boob. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 213. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I am so glad that you're spending some of your time with me today. In today's episode, we have Kelly Kendall. Kelly is a nurse and an IBCLC, that's an international board-certified lactation consultant, and she's the founder of The Balanced Boob, which provides support and education to breastfeeding families. As a nurse and IBCLC, Kelly spent years in a busy birthing center, and so she knows the real challenges that face new parents. 
She specializes in prenatal breastfeeding education that helps empower parents to know their how their body works and what their baby needs so they can make decisions that work best for them. She really believes that knowing and practicing some skills pre-birth will help build parents' confidence so they can help their baby feed through any early challenges and build a great milk supply. We have a great conversation where you're going to learn about the ideal time to start learning about breastfeeding. Hint, it's going to be while you're still pregnant. What are the most important things to do to prepare for breastfeeding? What are common challenges that you may encounter and how to address those challenges like sore nipples? We'll talk about the benefits of hand expression. I learned something new here about this myself. And then we'll go through some misconceptions about breastfeeding and much, much more. You're definitely going to learn a lot from this episode today. Now, before we get into the episode, if you haven't already invested in childbirth education, then please do so. Childbirth education is so important to help you really be prepared for all of the things that may come your way during your birth. Of course, I have a fantastic option in the birth preparation course. The birth preparation course is my signature childbirth education class. It's all online. It will get you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth experience. Thousands of folks have gone through the course. I would love to be able to serve you in the course too. Great information all the way from how to get in the right mindset for your birth to some tips to help you get off to the postpartum, help you get off to a great start postpartum to everything in between what happens in your body during labor and birth, possible scenarios that you may encounter so you can be ready for those. And the course is really, really geared towards folks who plan to give birth in the hospital. That's what I know. That's what I am exceptional at. And that is what I teach you about as well. So you can check out all of the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's get into the conversation with Kelly Kendall from The Balanced Boob. So much, Kelly, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. Breastfeeding is always a hot, hot topic. So I know this is going to be a popular episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and chat about my favorite subject, which is a, the very hot topic of breastfeeding. All right. Awesome. I love it. So why don't you start off a bit by telling us a bit about yourself and your work and your family, if you'd like. Yeah. So I am a nurse and a lactation consultant in IBCLST. IBCLC, which stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Okay. And I am the mom of two, and I'm married to my college sweetheart, and Aww. we live in we live in Maryland. My kids are almost twelve and almost nine. Okay. Um, so I'm through the the busy days of mm-hmm. infancy and toddlerhood and breastfeeding, but. Yes. My own struggles with breastfeeding are really what got me into this field Uh because I, like so many moms, really kind of went into my breastfeeding experience pretty blind, with a lot of blind hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's really what my work is about now is preparing people for what you really need to have an empowering breastfeeding experience. Sure, sure. Awesome, awesome. And I always call breastfeeding a labor of love because you you do it because you love your children, but sometimes it can be challenging. So we're going to get into some help for folks today. And I'm also too past that like toddler breastfeeding stage. Thank, thank, 
God, my children are 13 and 15. So now we deal with other, other I know, struggles. That's what I tell people. I'm like, it doesn't get easier. It just gets no, different. It just gets different. It just <laughs> yeah. gets different. Oh, all right. So you mentioned that you are, and I'm gonna, I'm looking at my notes to get it right. I-B-C-L-C. So what does that mean to be an international board certified lactation consultant? Did I get that right? Yes. And yes, you did get it right. And it is a mouthful. So (laughs) an IBCLC is really the highest level of credentialing in the lactation field. So really anyone can call them like a breastfeeding specialist Mm -hmm. or a lactation counselor. Like these words aren't as clear, um, regulated, as regulated Uh as IBCLC Mm -hmm. is. So Mm -hmm. IBCLC, you need college level credits and you need over 500 clinical hours of hands-on breastfeeding assistance. Oh, I did not know it was that much. It's a lot. Okay. There are different pathways. Uh-huh. Some people will enter like I did, where I was in a hospital as a mom baby nurse mm-hmm. and got my hours that way. Some people will do it via La Leche League hours. Uh-huh. Some people will have a mentor. So there's different ways of doing it. But when someone is an IBCLC, you know that they have a certain baseline level of education and a certain amount of hands-on clinical hours gotcha. supporting breastfeeding families. Gotcha. And it's not that, you know, everybody has different levels of expertise or experience or whatever. And it's not that I'm poo-pooing people who don't necessarily do certification, but there's something to like going that extra step and getting that certification and getting that, that education, you know, that you are getting information from someone who like put some thought and some effort. It is very serious about the work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And do you still practice as a nurse? So I left working as a nurse. So I was at the nurse, a nurse for about 10, 11 years at the bedside, really busy postpartum hospital uh-huh. as a mom baby nurse. And then I transitioned to being IBCLC at the bedside. Okay. And then during COVID, I transitioned to opening my private practice. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of segued into what I do now, which I do do some one-on-one with clients, but uh-huh. I'm mostly just focused on educating on Instagram and in my, my breastfeeding course, Boob School. So okay, awesome. awesome. One of yeah. those accidental gifts of COVID, where <laughs> with all the virtual support that happened, right, it allowed right. me to transition to doing this. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so let's hop into learning about breastfeeding. So, when is the ideal time that you recommend clients start thinking about or getting prepared for breastfeeding? So I saw somebody posted this a couple days ago, and I'm like, that is a great way to talk about it Mm -hmm. a little bit at a time over the whole course of your pregnancy. We don't want to wait till we're 36 weeks and then try to shove hours of education into our brain. Sure, We really want to be learning about it the entire time and Mm -hmm. hitting on the important points and then being able to kind of brush up on them, maybe closer to birth. But really, that's where we don't overwhelm ourselves and we Mm -hmm. can actually retain some of the information. Mm -hmm. Because parents usually, I mean, you know this as an OBGYN, parents usually decide if they're interested in breastfeeding very early on. Usually in the first trimester, Mm -hmm. they've decided if they're interested. So I really think you know, not soon after that is really where people should start the process of getting educated. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I I never really, I never really thought about that. And it's not something that we even really necessarily bring up in the prenatal conversation until the third trimester when we're talking about like getting a breast pump and that kind of thing. So that's great that, 
you know, you say start early. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, right? Like no. it doesn't have to be like you're reading every single day about breastfeeding or anything like that. Not at all. But like if you think about when your breasts really are starting to get ready for breastfeeding, you're producing colostrum as early as 16 to 22 weeks gestation. Mm-hmm. Which freaks people out sometimes, but well, it right? happens. Your, your body is preparing pretty early. And so what, what it's all about is you know, starting to kind of dip your toe in, finding mm-hmm. sources that you can trust and mm-hmm. kind of their approach resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And then I believe just sort of like pacing that education out over the course of your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So you're not having to like get to 38 weeks and realize that you don't know anything. And sure. then you're trying to kind of shove it in overwhelmed. Sure. We really want to pace it out over the whole course. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So then what are the two or three most important things that you think folks need to do in order to prepare and be best set up for breastfeeding? So, you know, two things that I like people to kind of always keep in mind mm-hmm. is we don't want to learn to build the plane as we're trying to fly the plane, right? It's very difficult mm-hmm. for you to retain new information after you've given birth. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I would be in a postpartum room. I'm sure this probably happened to you. And you're there to educate a mom. And the poor thing cannot keep her eyes open mm-hmm. because she's been up for 24 hours to, with the hard work of labor. Yep. And so you're not really primed to learn a ton during that sure, time. Sure. So it's really about setting yourself up also that you're not reliant on all the education you need to happen in the hospital because mm-hmm. it is a, you know this, I know this, it is a busy place. It is yes. fast turnarounds. Yep. You're going in and rounding on these patients. Mm-hmm. I'm going in, the pediatricians are, mm-hmm. we're doing lots of things to mom and baby. Mm-hmm. And so it's really not in your best interest to rely solely on like the idea that they're going to teach you everything you need to know in the hospital. Sure, sure. Same sure. with birth. <laughs> like you're going to have a better experience <laughs> if you go into this yeah. with really yeah. some foundational knowledge. So sure. really those two things is, you know, I want moms to understand how their bodies work. So how mm-hmm. milk production works. So mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. necessarily relying on someone to come around and and teach them the basics. They really right. understand what they need to do to help bring their milk in and support their baby. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. 
So along sort of similar lines, what are the most common challenges that you see when people get started with breastfeeding, like two or three things that you see come up time and time again? And what are things to help with those challenges? Yeah. So I think the er first thing I would say is just a lot of parents kind of have this idea that their baby is going to be born, going to be put on their chest and they're going to scoot their bodies over and latch on. And mm -hmm. that does happen sometimes. And it's wonderful when it does. But there are some babies that are just not stellar breastfeeders mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Maybe mm -hmm. a long, difficult labor. Sure. Um, it, you know, could have been, you know, any sort of resuscitation measures. And what a lot of parents don't know is what to do if baby isn't latching in mm. those first hours. And it's incredibly stressful. So I teach a lot on hand expression and practicing hand expression in the last days of pregnancy, oh. days and weeks of pregnancy. Okay. So the way this works, so if you have a low-risk mom, right, uh -huh. a mom who's cleared for a, a vaginal delivery, sure. um, she's allowed to have sex, she's allowed to raise her oxytocin levels, she can practice hand expression, which is literally using your hand to practice expressing drops of colostrum. Okay. Now, some moms will it, get drops of colostrum and even decide to bring those with them to the hospital to uh -huh. supplement baby. Uh -huh. Some moms, that doesn't appeal to them, but sure. even practicing it... Because what studies have shown is that if moms hand express within the uh -huh. first hour after birth, uh -huh. they end up with 160% more milk at six weeks. It's like a crazy bang That's for your crazy. buck. Yes, because of that big hormone shift that happens when right. the placenta is delivered. Um, okay. And so the early expression of drops of colostrum uh -huh. immediately after birth in the next hours and days while you're learning to latch your baby is one of the most protective things you can do to help build a great milk supply. I did not so, know that. Okay. I know. And so mm -hmm. many, it isn't quite like it's becoming more popular, mm -hmm. but uh, I, it's not necessarily mainstream sure. yet. Sure. Um, sure. And a lot of moms think, you know, will see things on Instagram and maybe be like, I am not bringing colostrum with me to the hospital. Yeah. No, thank that's you. like, right, right. Which is right. totally fine. But again, like we talked about earlier, you don't want to wait for me to come to teach you something mm -hmm. when you're exhausted and overwhelmed right. and you may not even have a lactation consultant there sure. in the nights or the evenings or the weekends. Sure. So I want to empower you to know just what to do if your mm -hmm. baby isn't latching immediately. Uh -huh. So I would say that's one thing, kind of yeah. this expectation that baby's going to go on and start breastfeeding yep. like a champion. Yep. And then I think the other thing is sore nipples mm -hmm. because breastfeeding, although it's really instinctual for babies and there's lots of natural reflexes that are mm -hmm. hardwired into their brain, parents have to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. And Really, we learn as humans best by watching other people breastfeed. Which and is not, we, which doesn't happen in our society. Right. And yeah. many moms have never seen that. You know, right. and back when we were living in communities where we were mm -hmm. multi-generational homes yep. and lots of women together, yep. it would have been easier for moms to see this, 100%. see what it's actually right. like to breastfeed a newborn. Because a lot right. of people have seen like in, you know, someone breastfeeding a one-year-old or something or a six-month-old. But not many people have seen what it's like to breastfeed a newborn baby. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a lot of moms also think that that pain that comes with early breastfeeding is 
you know, expected or just part of like the cross that we must bear as, mm-hmm. as women and mothers. And it's really not. Right. It's common, but you know, you know, pain is your body's way of telling you something isn't right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if your nipples are painful, cracked, bleeding, traumatized, usually the most common reason for that early on is a shallow latch. Okay. So understanding what you can do to get help your baby to open really wide and get latched deeply to the breast so you're not having to deal with any of that sure. is a really helpful thing to go into your birth knowing. Okay. Okay. And what are your thoughts on like, to try to manage those sore nipples, do you recommend like, I know lanolin cream is pretty common or ointment. Is there anything in particular yeah. that you recommend? So the studies on lanolin really aren't that good. They're, it's oh. actually not very effective, okay. although it's been around for a long time. Uh-huh. What, I, what I recommend are a product called Silverettes. Okay. Um, and they're silver nursing cups. And you know, in medicine, silver is antifungal and antimicrobial. They'll even use it in some uh-huh. wound dressings. Uh-huh. And what we know about how wounds heal is moist wound healing works really well. And silverettes just cover your nipple and you actually express some drops of your own breast milk. And we know breast milk is incredibly healing. Mm-hmm. It's full of antibodies. Mm-hmm. It's this magic substance. Sure. So if we just kind of create this environment for healing where your own breast milk can do the work, that is what I generally find to be most effective. And then you're not having to add any ointment or prescription cream. I really find it to be super effective. And with the moms that I work with in boob school, I just kind of across the board recommend people get these, bring Uh them with you to the hospital, and it can really help prevent and treat that early onset nipple pain. I have never heard of that. So you learn something new every day. Can you still breast, can you still breastfeed with them on? You just wear them in between nursing sessions. Interesting. Now I got to go Google it. In your bra, in place of a nursing pad. Yeah, they're they're a pretty awesome product. I really, I've seen them work really, really well. And again, then you're not having to put anything on your nipples that's going in the baby's mouth or whatever. It's not sticky. It's literally just your own breast milk. Gotcha. Gotcha. But the lanolin is not harmful, is it, that you're aware of? It's not harmful. Mm -hmm. It is derived from wool. So some moms can be irritated to that, Mm. especially if you have a a wool sensitivity. Sure. But really the studies have just shown that it's not any more effective than something like your own breast milk or coconut oil or Uh something like that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about any other misconceptions, like things people you, you know, people say about breastfeeding that you're like, I really wish we could like put those misconceptions and lies to rest. Are there two or three or anything that you're (sighs) just like, this is not true about breastfeeding? Well, we already said it's not easy. Mm -hmm. We already said you can't (laughs) depend on them teaching you in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say one thing that I hear a lot is that, you know, you have to, if you're dealing with clogs or pain in your breast, that you're really supposed to dig in to like get the clog out. Right. And what we know now about how clogs and mastitis works in Uh breast tissue in general is really that it's light touch Hmm. that helps move that fluid up and into the lymph system. So we should never be touching our breasts harder than how we would like put lotion on our baby's face. So really, again, that light touch up towards the armpit to Uh these lymph nodes in the axilla is really what helps reduce engorgement and can help with clogs and mastitis as well. Nice. I had never heard that before. And then what about like misconceptions about like, yeah, you have to feed the baby on a specific schedule or this, that, and the other. Yeah. What about that? 
we really want, especially in the early days, to be feeding baby on demand. So whenever baby wants to eat, and newborns are designed to feed a lot. They do Mm -hmm. something called cluster feeding, usually Mm -hmm. in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And that's those times where you just park your butt on the couch in front of some show you're going to binge watch, and it feels like you're breastfeeding (laughs) for hours. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. And babies really are that's that's how they're designed to have some feedings closer together and then have a longer stretch. Uh-huh. Um, and another common thing that we hear is feeding baby like for 15 minutes on one side and uh-huh. 15 minutes on the other. Right. That's also not true. Hmm. We want to let baby finish one breast. Okay. So let them fully fi- finish that breast. Right. Burp. And we're going to offer the other. So first okay. breast is dinner. Okay. Then we burp and we offer dessert, which they okay. may or may not take. Sure. Some babies just only ever want one side. And for some babies, it can change over the course of the day if they uh-huh. want one or both sides. Right. But we definitely don't want to be looking at our clocks. We want to okay. be looking at baby's behavior at the breast. Got it. Got it. Okay. So lots of people are going to breastfeed at the breast. And some people are also going to pump. So what are your thoughts about when to introduce pumping and then some suggestions to make sure pumping goes well? Yeah, so definitely I'm someone who believes pumping is breastfeeding. Pump Exclusive mm-hmm. pumping is a way anytime your baby's getting your milk, usually if things are going well, like uh-huh. if you're not needing to supplement or anything like that, you're not wanting or needing to do bottles early on, you can wait, you know, until a month and just really... I'm always telling the moms I work with, like, team less work in the early postpartum (laughs) days. So if we can take one thing off your plate, wait a little bit longer till, you know, you have your footing and then introduce the pump. Okay. One thing I will suggest is I talk to my moms about measuring their nipples for their phalange in pregnancy, at the end of pregnancy. Okay. Now, and... It may change slightly just with fluids and and some fluid shifts and some engorgement. Uh But really, the reason is we don't know how soon you're going to need to pump. Some moms can wait till those four weeks. Some moms, if your baby is jaundiced in Mm -hmm. the hospital, you may need to start day two. And so if we know that, you know, I measure, you know, 37 weeks and I realize that my nipple diameter is 15 millimeters, I'm going to know that that 24 millimeter phalange that they're going to hand me in the hospital Mm -hmm. is not going to work for me. Mm. And many hospitals only have one size phalange or maybe two sizes of Mm -hmm. phalanges to offer you. So you can actually get phalange inserts that you can just order on Amazon. They're less than $20, throw them in your hospital bag. So then you know you have a correct size to bring with you to the hospital if you were needing to pump early on postpartum. Okay. I have never heard of anybody measuring their... uh, It's more like a trial and error, just stick it on there and see what happens, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. So we want... It it really can impact how comfortable the pumping session is for Uh the mom and how effectively they're removing milk. And moms can actually really damage their nipples if they're using a, a flange that's very poorly fit. Okay. Um, and this is something that has, I will tell you, this is something that's really changed in the last couple of years. Like it okay. used to be when I was at the hospital, yeah, it'd be right. like, all right, here's 24. It looks okay. Right, right, and right. And now we're realizing like, oh, actually the size that we're giving moms really mm-hmm. does impact their pumping experience and okay. how their nipples are feeling. And so Got it's it. important to have the right size. Okay. 
Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any particular pumps that you recommend? I mean, pumps are like a whole new level now from <laughs> back when, I mean, back when I was pumping, yes, it was like the Medela and that was like the gold standard, but now there's tons more. There's the hands-free ones that you can do yeah. while you're doing other things. So, so the hands-free ones like the Willow or the LV mm-hmm. are more what we call secondary pumps. Okay. So they're, they are great in a pinch. You can use them some of the time, uh-huh. but for most moms, those aren't going to be strong enough to be what you would use as your full-time pump, especially if you are primarily pumping. Okay. So a really good, solid at-home pump that's very popular is the Spectra. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a good workhorse that a lot of moms can get through their insurance company. Mm -hmm. Pumpables is another pump that I love. That's something that's really small and you can be mobile with it, but it's still a strong and effective pump. Sure. And those are probably my two faves, but the the pumping rabbit hole is large and there are accounts on Instagram devoted just just to to exclusive pumping. And there are millions of pump reviews on there that you can dig through. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a guest who will be coming on and all she does is, is help with pumping. So stay tuned, (laughs) stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. Okay, so if people are having trouble with breastfeeding, particularly, actually, let's talk about both sides because actually people think that oversupply is not a problem, but it actually can be a problem for people and a very uncomfortable one. So what do you do when you have oversupply? And then what about like supplements, teas, cookies, things like that for undersupply? So with oversupply, that's definitely something that you want to be working one-to-one with a lactation consultant because you really want someone that can be watching you closely because Mm -hmm. it is a dance that we have to do for, we want to 
allow milk to stay in your breasts a little bit longer because uh-huh. that's what tells your body to downregulate your milk supply. Okay. So it's milk sitting in your breast that tells your body, okay, we have more than we need. Okay. You have a protein that builds up called the feedback inhibitor of lactation. But we want to watch you really closely because if we do that too much, we can raise your risk of mastitis or clogs. Mm -hmm. So you want to be working closely with a lactation consultant and possibly doing something called block feeding where we have you only feed from one breast for a certain Uh period of time. Uh And then sometimes if I have a mom who has a huge oversupply, say she's Mm -hmm. expressing 70 ounces a day and we know her baby's only taking 25 Sometimes those moms need some herbs or even something like pseudofedrin to oh. help downregulate their milk supply enough. Okay. So it is really something that, you know, if you know you have an oversupply, I right. would tell you, like, that's something where you want to be working hand in hand with someone who really can walk alongside of you. It's not something that you want to just be like, trying this weekend on your own. Right. Because we can, it can make things worse if we're it's it. not managed well. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. And then undersupply. So undersupply, two things. The key with low supply Mm -hmm. is getting to the root cause. So there are two kinds of low supply. Okay. Something called primary low supply. And those are the cases with moms who may have insufficient glandular tissue Mm -hmm. or maybe PCOS Mm -hmm. or hypothyroid. They may have a medical condition that impacts their ability to make milk. Sure. And there's secondary low supply Mm -hmm. where maybe baby is tongue-tied or mom didn't get good breastfeeding information early on. There was a lack of stimulation, something along those lines. And you can have a combination of both. Okay. But with low supply, we really want to target how you're, how we're treating you to what's going on. Gotcha. Because if, if you are a mom with insufficient glandular tissue, you can eat every damn cookie in the world and and you can be feeding your baby. Yeah. (laughs) And so we want, we, I am all about not having people on the, the hamster wheel of constant pumping and triple feeding and Mm -hmm. all of that. So Mm Working with an educated, compassionate IBCLC and your physician to maybe get blood work Mm -hmm. and dig a little bit deeper to see what really could be going on underneath of things is super important. Okay. Cookies and herbs, we know they did a study last year about cookies. Oh, okay. (laughs) I love cookies. Right. And what they found out is they don't really help. Okay. So... if you think about galactagogs, galactagogs, which are herbs that have been shown to help with lactation, uh-huh. the least concentration of them are going to be in things like herbs, smoothies, and teas. Okay. You can take capsules or tinctures, mm-hmm. and those are going to have a much higher concentration of okay. whatever that herb is. Okay. But again, even that, the studies are a little bit Mm. But with some of my moms who are maybe like right on the edge, we know that they are maybe going back to work and they Mm -hmm. just kind of want to bolster things a bit. Right. It can, it can certainly help. And for some people just doing something and kind of placebo effect, like you think it's going to help that lowers your stress level a little bit. And that might actually help bolster things. But the studies for herbs in and of themselves, and certainly for cookies and stuff really isn't very strong. Okay. Okay. So probably won't, there's no evidence that it helps, but it probably won't hurt, I guess. Yes. And the thing that's tricky about herbs is it's very trial and error. Mm -hmm. We don't quite know what 
is going to work for you until you try it. Got it. And those things are, they're expensive. So before I recommend any of those with people, we're like, we're going for the low hanging fruit. We're going to make sure that baby is efficient, that you have a well-fitting pump, that you're emptying your breasts effectively. Because if you're not doing those foundational things, you can eat all the cookies, drink all the teas, takes all the capsules, and it's not going to make up for that. Okay. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So say someone is having trouble or even they want to establish a connection with a lactation consultant, even before, you know, during pregnancy. That's actually one of the things I say is like try and line up help before you need it, actually. And if you don't need it, great. But if you do, you have it there. So if someone is looking for a lactation consultant, what are things that they should look for? What are two or three questions to ask? I think asking someone's experience level, Mm -hmm. you know, when you meet them, what their experience is and kind of their general philosophy. One thing that's helpful now, you know, in the world of Instagram Mm -hmm. is you can kind of, there are many lactation consultants that have social media accounts Mm -hmm. and you can sort of feel someone's vibe out and kind of decide if they might be a good fit for you. And, you know, looking for support groups. In my breastfeeding course, we also have a live support option. So you also get a Facebook group similar to yours. So people can come back Uh and ask questions because, you know, what really gets us is those new moms or those Mm 2am Google spiral Mm -hmm. dumpster dives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if people have a place that they can trust to go and ask questions, it really helps. But yeah, you can also look at what your insurance company will cover Mm -hmm. in terms of lactation support. And I would advise you like reach out to those lactation consultants who your insurance cover, double check that that's up to date information. And sometimes you can book something ahead of time for a couple weeks after you deliver, just like, you know, you have well visits with your pediatrician. It's always a good idea to, you know, have a check-in ask your questions. And, you know, breastfeeding is one of these things that really changes a lot Mm -hmm. over the course of your breastfeeding experience. What would be a problem with a four-week-old is totally normal with a four-month-old. So, you know, having a place that you can go to ask those questions over the whole breastfeeding journey is really helpful and lowers parents' stress a lot. Gotcha. And I imagine you might have people who have different philosophies, um, you know, like maybe some people are like, we're going to breastfeed at all costs. And, you know, <laughs> maybe that's not what you want. Maybe it is. Maybe you want someone who's a little more flexible or like if you are just tired and things aren't going okay, that they can help you feel good about whatever choices you make to feed your child. Yeah. So you want to make sure you have that, that good fit. And I assume like if it's not a good fit, then find someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the beauty of being able to kind of find a provider, you know, who really aligns with your feeding goals. And I tend to be somebody who's very, I am more than anything else for anyone I interact with, whether it's in a consult or in boob school or on Instagram, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly important to me that they know that I see them and that breastfeeding is complicated and there are two humans involved Mm -hmm. and it is not just about how bad you want something. That's not how, that is not how this works (laughs) because I have had dealt with moms over the course of my career who have wanted this so badly Mm -hmm. and it didn't work out for them. And I want them to be able to access so much self-compassion and self-love 
because that's really at the end of the day, what your baby needs is a parent that is able to treat themselves with kindness and connect with their baby. Um, And this is breastfeeding again is not an all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. I am not a believer in that. There are so many different ways to do this and there should be because we're humans and we need different things and our babies may need different things Absolutely. Too. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So as we wrap up, what would you say is the most frustrating part of your work? Oh, geez. <laughs> I think the most frustrating part of my work is just how much misinformation is out sure. there. Sometimes it feels like I'm, it's like whack-a-mole. Right? <laughs> like the things that come up. <laughs> On Instagram, and I see circulating on mommy blogs Mm -hmm. and these people that, you know, are on Instagram as experts and their breastfeeding knowledge really is I breastfed a child, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which not that they don't have anything to value of value to contribute, but it's not the same thing. And I think you... I think you probably can feel the same 100%, 100%. way. 100%. So that's the, definitely the most Yes, yeah, thing. yeah. Like you can, it's not that you can't learn from other people who have, who have done this and you should, but that, that should not be like your only source of, of information. Uh, experience matters in, in, in this arena, I think in particular, definitely for what I do for, for birth, being a part of so many births brings a wealth of knowledge and experience that, that 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 just is not replaceable and it's the same thing when you sat with so many women and i've seen this i've seen that i've seen this tweet that that experience just brings so much so it's not discounting what other people are saying but don't rely on that as your only source of 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 information that's my my two cents inside note to that (laughs) yeah yeah so on the flip side what is the most rewarding part of your work oh Oh my God. I'm just somebody who is amazed by moms and babies every day. And I think to watch a mom trust herself, learn to trust herself is one of the most beautiful things to witness Mm. in the world. Mm. And when I work with a mom who maybe breastfeeding isn't going exactly how they thought, but they're still able to treat themselves with such fierce self-compassion that just it blows my mind and I'm really proud of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I love that, love that. So then what is your favorite piece of advice that you like to give to expectant moms or expectant families? I think build your community of support now. Mm. This is the time to access what is around you in your community, whether that's on Instagram or in your physical community. You know, find your pelvic floor therapist, Find your lactation consultant, Mm -hmm. find your mom mental health therapist that's out there in your community. So really, you know, this is the time to to gather those resources. So they're right there at your fingertips when you need them. All righty. And speaking of resources, where can people find you? Your website, your Instagram, your class, all of all of the details. Give it to us. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at The Balanced Boob. And my website is the same, thebalancedboob.com. And then you can join us in boob school, which is my breastfeeding class for expectant parents and parents that are already in the thick of it. Really, we work to support you in all the things that can come up with breastfeeding. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And of course, we'll link all that in the show notes. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast. Super helpful information. Thank you. Awesome. It was so wonderful to chat with you. 
All right. Wasn't that a great conversation? I know I learned some new things about breastfeeding and I hope that you learned some new information too. All right. Well, you know, when I have a guest on the podcast, I do something called Dr. Nicole's notes where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. So here are my Dr. Nicole's notes from my conversation with Kelly. Number one, experience and training matters. It really makes a difference. The background that people have when they come to sharing information, whether it's online or on websites or podcasts or wherever it is, the medium. And I'm saying this because I'm starting to see more and more people who are online and sharing information and they don't necessarily have a lot of experience or a lot of training. And that is being reflected in the type of information that they're sharing that it's really inaccurate. Some of it is just flat out wrong. So I don't take any issue with anyone who, yeah, I guess I say all that to say, we all have to start somewhere, right? Like there was a time I didn't, you know, sprout out of the womb with 20 years of experience. Of course, there was a time when I didn't have any experience, but you want to be sure that you're getting information from people who are taking what they're talking about seriously, really making sure they're coming from a place of being thoughtful in their approach about how they're learning information and the information that they're sharing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be formally trained. Like the best example I can think of, my husband is not like formally trained in building things, right? But he builds cabinets in his garage. He puts like really detailed things kind of together. He's built like the closet shelves in our closet. So he's not trained in that, but you best believe he like studied, he prepared, he looked at videos, he read things, he practiced. So you just want to be sure that you're getting information, even if people don't have any sort of formal training, that they are giving you things from a place of really knowing what they're talking about, okay? And that they put the effort into it and they're just not popping up online thinking they wanna hop on some kind of train to share information. Sorry, I know I'm talking about this a little bit long, but this is just sort of a pet peeve of mine and a worry and a concern of mine, actually, that people aren't being discerning about understanding where they're getting information from, okay? And just because someone is saying something, just because it's online, just because it has like thousands of likes or whatever, doesn't mean that it's true. All right. Use your brain, vet the information, make sure you're getting information from a reliable source. Okay. All right. I'll get off of that soapbox. Okay. Number two, definitely find your support ahead of time. I so love the quote, We don't want to learn to build the plane as we're trying to fly the plane. That's what Kelly said during the episode. And that's kind of like what learning about breastfeeding is like when you're in the midst of it, right? You don't want to be learning about something while you're in in the middle of it. You want to try and prepare yourself as best you can ahead of time. So you definitely want to take the classes, take the education, find your support, line up your lactation counselor ahead of time, okay? And this can honestly be for all kinds of support. Maybe you want to get a postpartum doula who can help you that they may double as a, a 
a board certified lactation consultant and help provide that postpartum doula support as well. You can get kind of two for one. That's one of the things that I tell people to ask for in their registries is contributions towards a doula, whether that's a a doula during labor or maybe a postpartum doula as well. Um, Definitely just line up your support ahead of time so you're not in the thick of things and then trying to figure things out. It's so much better to have the resources and things lined up before you need it. And that brings me to the third point is that education doesn't have to be overwhelming. You know, sometimes it feels like you got to learn all this stuff. You got to learn what to do with the baby. You got to learn about childbirth education. You got to learn about breastfeeding, but it really doesn't have to be overwhelming. And if you approach it in a way that is systemic or not systemic, systematic, that is systematic and sort of manageable, if you can find resources that help take the guesswork out of you having to figure different things out, right? So if you can find people who've already kind of gotten the information together for you, or you find resources, you know, like this podcast, like the birth preparation course, or people who are or on, online in various formats, and they've kind of organize things for you. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's like a little bit a day, a little bit a day. You start towards the middle of your pregnancy and just kind of prepare yourself slowly. It it doesn't have to, I don't want you to feel like it has to be overwhelming or you have to know every single thing. You're not going to know every single thing, but you can definitely know a general idea of how to approach your labor, how to approach your birth, how to be prepared for breastfeeding. Honestly, the baby part that feels like the scariest part, like taking care of a human being. But honestly, those things you you do kind of figure out, like bathing, diapering, th- those things you, you figure out fairly easy. But I do think help with breastfeeding, definitely help with, you have to take childbirth education. That, that's a non-negotiable for sure, especially in the U.S. healthcare system. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. You can definitely check out my course, the birth preparation course for your childbirth education. That's drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. The benefit with that because it's online and you get it all at once. You can do it at your your own time, your own pace and kind of go through it in a way that makes sense for you. And of course you have that support with it as well where you can get follow-up questions answered inside of the private Facebook community, the inner circle community that comes with the course as well. Woo. Okay. All right. So there you have it. Do me a solid. Share this podcast with a friend. I am on a mission to reach and serve as many of the 4 million people that have a baby in this country every year as possible. So I would so appreciate your help with that. So hit that share button, share this podcast with a friend, with a a client, with a coworker, whoever you can. I would so appreciate it. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to me right now. Leave an honest review inside of Apple Podcast or Come follow me on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I provide information there. It's a great place to connect outside of the podcast where I also provide great information and you can shoot me a DM there. Let me know what you think about the show. I'm always open to show suggestions, all of that good, great stuff. Again, on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. So that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Thank you.